Atheism is the belief that there is no God. At the same time, there's a startling statistic that has been haunting American churches for a few decades now. The 75 to 88 percent of the kids coming out of Christian homes are walking away from their faith and choosing some form of skepticism to include atheism. Why is this few decades old phenomenon still happening in American Christianity to American Christian families and Christian churches? Are we not answering their questions? Let's get real about why Christian kids become atheists. And you are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to be talking about this whole subject of why Christian kids become atheists. You know, we all have our moments when we have our seasons of doubt. And of course, you and I, where some of us are older, you know, we've gone through maybe even a few seasons of doubt. We've gone through a handful of uh, things that have happened in our life. You know, I could go into some details as far as things that I've gone that I even question whether or not I, why am I a Christian? But that was earlier in my Christian walk, and even some things today where, you know, you and I wrestle with, you know, we might be a little older in our walk, you know, we wrestle with those things. But you know what? It doesn't change the fact that Christianity is true. And, you know, our kids today are going through those questioning moments at a very early age, even some earlier, as, like even their preteens. You know, the, the thing is that... When we think of Christianity, and you think of becoming a Christian, that doesn't mean that life is going to become hunky-dory, peachy keen. It's not going to become comfortable thus, you know, where you are going to have the best life now, as Doogie Howser, M. Div, Joel Osteen likes to like to think. And, of course, you know, if this is your best life now, what about heaven? That's going to be even better. You know, so that book, you know, just if you, if you own it, throw it out. But the fact of the matter is that you and I are hearing about this. And we don't need to be judgmental. We need to empathize with our families that, that are those who are struggling with the, their kids coming home and say, Mom, Dad, I don't believe in Christianity anymore. Or if they go and they just are sitting at the dinner table and they say, Well, what did you do today? Well, I, you know, I, read, I looked at Richard Dawkins' argument against you know, some poor Christian that he tore up by yelling at him and everything, and I'm beginning to think Richard's right. Well, Richard's not right, but, you know, here's the thing. It's a fact that our kids are walking away from the faith. You know, the interesting thing I mentioned earlier in the, in the, in the introduction, that uh, 75 to 88% of the kids walking away. Let's pull that back just a little bit, not much, but let's pull it back and say that 70 to 80 percent of the young Christians are are walking away. But 70 to 80 percent of young non-Christians believe that Christianity is judgmental. They believe it's hypocritical. And they believe it's old-fashioned. And one of the uh, one of the researchers that's involved in this is a guy by the name of Larry Taunton from the Fixed Point Foundation. He's an author and a columnist. And he based on some research conducted in the USA, he lists seven characteristics of those who, of these kids who have become atheists. Number one, they attended church. Okay. Uh, number two, the mission and message of the church was vague. Number three, these 
non-Christians felt that their churches offered superficial answers to life-difficult questions. Number four, they expressed their respect for those ministers who took the Bible seriously. Number five, ages 14 to 17 were very decisive in becoming skeptics. Number six, the decision to embrace unbelief was often an, uh, an emotional one. And the number seven, the internet factored very heavily into their conversion to atheism. Moreover, proselytes to atheism think that the Big Bang and the theory of evolution adequately explain the origin of the universe and life, respectively. Hence, they see no need for God. Don't believe in a Big Bang or believe in a Big Bang? You and I are going to have to decide who banged it. Now, you got to take into consideration that there are also those who believe that science offers credible answers. Scientism is the, is the new religion a lot in the public universities, and the, even the private universities for that matter. And scientism is the belief that everything that you believe to be true can be scientifically proven. Now, we, we'll talk about that a little bit. But if it cannot be scientifically proven, then it should not be believed. So scientism posits science as the sole source of knowledge and truth, but scientism is not all-encompassing. Scientism does not permeate all domains. For example, how would science determine morality? Well, Sam Harris believes that he, can, he has that whipped in his book, Letter to a Christian Nation, uh, scientism argues that any proposition, if it cannot be proven by science, it should be discarded. Now, whether or not, you know, you're talking about a moral issue. So say, for example, you know, Sam is going and talking about the torturing of little children in, in some foreign countries. He says that's immoral. Why is that immoral, Sam? He, he cannot give an answer. So, you know, He's not using science there, but scientism says that science can prove it, but it can't. Scientism argues that any proposition, once again, scientism argues that any proposition, if it cannot be proven by science, should be discarded. But this very proposition of science um, can prove truth, any proposition that cannot be proven by science should be discarded. That statement itself, because categorically, that is a statement about science that should be discarded as well. So it's self-refuting. It's self-refuting. So, you know, we don't need to believe that scientism is true. Now, best-selling author, Christian uh, Nancy Percy, considers the unanswered intellectual questions as a great motivating, motivating factor for people to abandon Christianity. And this is where the churches are to blame because they're not addressing these questions. Churches, Percy reckons, are good at establishing an emotional commitment, but they fail to satisfy the Christians intellectually. And although apologetics resources are freely available on the Internet, churches continue to neglect these resources. Some Christians are confounded when they try to understand certain complicated aspects of the biblical narrative, such as God killing the Canaanites, or the concept of hell, or the virgin birth, or hatred, or animosity towards homosexuality. Since reasonable answers are not forthcoming, 
from the local church, the migration towards skepticism and atheism specifically continues. But there's another side to the coin in this predicament. Some people do not want to hear the good answers. You know, some people go and say, well, you know, there's not good answers. Did you want to hear them? Well, uh, 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 no. Well, that's on you. But these are people who don't want to hear the answers. And, I, and I'm thinking that there are two people in the Christian music market that have gone into skepticism that may have fit in this category, but I'm not going to be their judge. So, you know, here's the thing. That even though they don't want it, want to hear the good answers, it's not any that any amount of good answers convinces these people that people uh, do not want to be convinced. So say, for example, if I were to share something with you that I believe to be of spiritually high value, Let's talk about, like, say, for example, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, a dead guy coming back to life. And I were to, I were to say to you, you know, it, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true because of these lines of evidence, not just within the Bible, but also outside of the Bible, that skeptics and, and Christian scholars all agree with four certain facts that I could give you. Now, if I told you those facts... I'm not expecting you to believe what I'm telling you. I'm expecting you to investigate what I'm saying to you is true, and then you make the decision for yourself. You know, you might want not want to hear that truth. You might not want to hear those good answers. But you know what? It's not that any amount of good answers convinces these people that they do not want to be convinced, and they consciously reject the reasonable answers to the biblical conundrums. So why do people not want to be convinced by reasonable answers to difficult questions? Quite a few people embrace atheism because of emotional reasons, such as an untimely death of a loved one, abuse, childhood scars. They would, own, they would not openly cite these reasons as the cause for their conversion. Instead, they would cite intellectual reasons for causes, perhaps because citing intellectual reasons elevates them in their society or their particular concentric circle of concern. Now, these emotional reasons remain unattended and unresolved in their lives, plunging them even deeper into the realms of warfare against God. Now, there was a BBC article that came out, and the article cites more reasons for people choosing atheism. One is the lack of evidence. Two, God is unnecessary. Three, arguments for God aren't convincing. Well, maybe you're not listening to the arguments very well. Uh, number four, <laughs> the problem of evil. That's one of my favorite ones. I've written on the problem of evil. You can check out that uh, argument, uh, the three faces of evil and a Christian response on my blog. I have that there still. Science and history of thought, God being meaningless, God is a psychological factor, like a psychological crutch. I've also written on that. Uh, God is a social function. Also, Karl Marx's criticisms of religion being the opiate of the people and the sigh of the oppressed. People are reading Marx now. Uh, people are reading uh, Marx in uh, political circles. People are reading Marx in college. And they're coming out on 
the side that is not in favor of Christianity. And then they also say God is not apparent. Christian scholars, of course, have debunked every reason in a way that more than adequately demonstrates Christianity's truthfulness. If Christianity is true, folks, atheism is false, plain and simple. If atheism is false, then there's really no reason to believe that atheism is true. Now, if we consider this from another perspective, what does Christianity offer that atheism does not? Well, let me give you a few things here that um, might give you an idea. And, you know, what does Christianity offer that atheism does not? Well, first, salvation. Salvation or deliverance offered by Jesus Christ who died for our sins, uh, you know, sins for the sins of mankind. This is probably the most realistic and practical solution. And all we need to do is just trust in Christ, love him, serve him, worship him, you know, for what he's done for us. You know, there's nothing that you and I can scrape up, you know, to go and please God. Any No good work to scrape up to, and please God. Folks, it's all started by God, grace to you, given by God. All you are doing is saying, Lord, I believe and I trust you. Secondly, God's offer, God offers hope and justice to every Christian. A hope that I will blissfully coexist with God in heaven into eternity. I know that God will annihilate evil and judge men for what they have done. Hence, justice will be upheld, especially to those who did not receive it in this lifetime and age. Thirdly, God offers joy to every Christian. Now, I am joyful, even though I've, I have my down days. I have days where I have pent-up emotions because I need an outlet. You know, and sometimes I can be real, real ornery. But, you know, I don't last there. I don't stay there. I get into the Word. I let my wife, you know, my wife listens to me, helps me, prays for me. And we work through it together, and, you know, I'm still joyful. See, joyful, being joyful in the Christian life isn't, you know, this happy, clappy, joy, joy, joy. David, in the midst of difficulty, as King Saul was chasing him, and you can read about that in the Old Testament, he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And folks, joy may not come when times are happy, clappy, joy, joy, joy. Joy may come in the darkest times when you go and you reflect on God, what He has done for you, how much He loves you, and what He did to pay for your sins so that you could spend eternity with Him. That there will bring you joy. So God offers joy to every Christian. Joy is neither predicated upon, or nor is it an entailment of my material possessions as well. But joy is a fruit of my spiritual connection to God. So there you have that right there. And then, lastly, God offers me peace. God overwhelms me with his peace, especially when I am in distress. This peace transcends human understanding. And in a nutshell, God redeems me and offers me hope, justice, joy, and peace. 
these intangible essentials are not linked to our earthly success, but God offers it to everybody who believes in Jesus Christ, for these are necessary for the successful sustenance of yours and my life. Now, let's look to see what atheism offers in contrast. You know, significantly, some secular thinkers have reasoned that atheism is nothing but a farce. Here are the words of one such secular thinker. He says, I was, in fact, a rather staunch atheist myself. I tried to be respectful, but in private often railed against the silly people and their sky god fairy tales. I was both completely ignorant of the fact that my beliefs themselves were the product of cultural indoctrination of a rather crude variety. At that stage, I also believed that all religious beliefs were the result of indoctrination and that having avoided that, my atheism was the natural and correct human response to life on earth. Eventually, I realized that atheism was rather flawed and its confident claim to know that there is no God. It occurred to me that it would also, that it would almost possibly, that it would be almost impossible to prove or know that there is no God. The point about the death of atheism is not the existence of God has been proven, but the point that the existence of non-material interactions of many kinds has been proven. The existence of the world beyond the visible, physical, material world has been proven in dozens, if not thousands, of ways. Now, this guy here is no longer an atheist. But moving on, atheism also isolates man by disengaging God from him. An atheist would be lonely, and will be lonely, on his deathbed. He would be free to act on his own selfish and imperfect counsel, or be dependent on the imperfect, selfish, and corrupt counsel of his fellow man. Atheism neither posits salvation, nor offers an eternal hope, joy, or peace. In fact, there is no hope in death for the atheist. There is no life for the atheist. And when it's all over, there is no recovery. There are no second chance salvations in eternity. Atheism is firmly anchored in the temporal and the tentative now. Atheism reduces our life to a mere social activity, thereby robbing us of a fascination and life-changing communion with God. Atheism also robs man of the hope and joy expecting an eternal life post our leaving this life. So, in a nutshell, atheism is a dark phenomenon that relegates man into a greater darkness. What could we do when fellow Christians embrace unbelief, well, we could pray for them. We could love them as Jesus loved them. You know, he had basically atheists in his day called the Sadducees. And he explained the truth to them based on their sources and their understanding of the 
scroll text. They knew it. They knew the law. But they were not supernaturalists, so that's why I say they were atheists. The Apostle Paul at, at, in Acts 17 at Mars Hill, which is a real place in Greece, the Areopagus, he had the Epicureans and the Stoic philosophers. He presented the case for Christianity. He, he presented the arguments for the God who made the world and everything in it is not a God made with human hands, nor is he needed to be fashioned and made with human hands. But he set a place for every person to be born, set up the boundaries of their habitation so that they can seek God and grope for God, though he's not far from us. That's the loose paraphrase of that. But folks, atheism does not work. Does not work. And you know, when it's all said and done, atheism has no recovery. Well, I'm looking at my, my material today, and I guess we have a very quick podcast this week. Next week, uh, we'll deal with another subject, probably who wrote the book. I have a friend at work who has somebody that asked that question, and I think I will deal with that. I have written on that already, so if you want to get the general gist and get ahead of time on that, you can go to my blog at roblundbergapologetics.com. It was one I wrote yesterday. You can see that I give four lines of evidence for why the Bible is divinely inspired. So I'll do something along the lines next week. But it is a hot day today, and uh, I'd like to keep this uh, rather uh, short. And if you are wanting to subscribe to our podcast while you're driving to your uh, job, if you're going up the interstate, 95 or down down the interstate, down into Richmond, and you're a subscriber. Thank you for subscribing to us. Thank you for listening. And uh, you also have uh, other shows that we have on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I should say, as well as Anchor FM and Stitcher and other the other seven platforms that uh, Anchor is very gracious to have us on. But folks, there's no reason why our kids should becoming atheists. There's no reason for them to become atheists, plain and simple. We need to be the apologists for them. And there are plenty of resources. If you have any questions, contact our ministry at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com. And I can point you in the direction of atheists, depending on the age group, uh, uh, resources about atheism and responses to atheism, depending on the age group. And we can hash those things out together. Folks, as a former skeptic myself, I see no hope in atheism. I see no hope in agnosticism. I hope have I see no hope in being a N-O-N-E nun or apatheist, which was more along the lines of what I was. I was apathetic towards religion, and I didn't believe God existed. So that's where I was an apathetic, apathetic atheist. But folks, we have a job to do because our culture is becoming more and more skeptical and more and more secular. If you want to know what type of secularism that 
America is becoming. I was over in the Republic of Moldova in 06, and I saw this kind of skepticism. And we have our work cut out for us. So if you're looking for resources, we would love to send them to you. Just email us at realissue, uh, not realissue, at, 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 yeah, at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com. That's realissueapologetics at yahoo.com. And we will be more than happy to forward some information to you, and we will be more than happy to interact with you as well. Please let us know how we can serve you. This is a quick podcast. I'm going to get it to 25 minutes, and then we will uh, sign off. But, you know, we really appreciate you listening to us. Thank you for listening to our last show and why, why, why I need God. And we, we got a lot of people listening to that, and I'm grateful. So I'll stop rambling, and we will get back with you next week with our, our next week's podcast. And as you go out this week, we're finding out that questions are needing to be asked of people who are skeptical. And we can teach you how to do that as well. If you would like a free PDF, we would love to send it to you on the top 10 plus 1 questions on starting a spiritual conversation and see how the Lord takes it from there by asking. We would be more than happy to send that to you. Email us at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com and we'll be more than happy to get that out to you as well. So, until next week, this is Rob Lundberg from the Let's Get Real podcast. We'll be back with you next week. Lord bless. And as we always close our show, remember, when you're talking to somebody, see them as someone who is created in the image and likeness of God and that God loves. But as you talk to them, make sure you give them heaven. We'll be back with you next week. Lord bless.